1: The following podcast contains barnyard language and some adult content, so maybe use headphones if you're listening at work or around small
0: children. Now, here's the show.
1: Hey, Kristen.
0: Yeah, Jalenta. When I say butterfly in the sky, what do you think of? Oh, my gosh. I think of reading Rainbow, Mm -hmm. and I think of the greatest bedtime reader, daytime reader, childhood reader, adult reader of all time, LeVar Burton. Well, We're going to talk to him today
1: for a bonus episode all about the joy of books and the joy of LeVar.
0: Oh my gosh, I can hardly wait. I feel my heart going twice as high. Just take a look. It's in a book. Reading Rainbow. With Kristen Meinzer. And Jalenta Greenberg. And this is By the Book with LeVar Burton. LeVar Burton. Hi. Oh, my gosh. It's him. Yay. <laughs> Hi. LeVar Burton. It's so great to hear your beautiful voice.
2: It's great to be with y'all.
0: Lavar, May I call you mm. LeVar? Of course. Okay. LeVar, you cannot see this right now since you're not in the same studio as us, but Jolenta, I'm like freaking her eyes out. are the size of saucers right I've now. I've never
1: been this nervous during an interview. <laughs> I'm freaking out.
0: <laughs> um, I are, mean, you were like,
1: because of you, I understood what acting was. Because I was like, I know that guy because he tells me what to read and I know him as a person. And then, oh, my God, he's also that other guy on the other show I watch all the time. Totally not himself. It blew my mind. And then I went to acting school, and you changed my life forever. So thank you.
2: (laughs) I love that. I love that story, Jalenta. Thank Thank you. Thank (laughs) you. All
1: right. So I'm done nerding out, and now we can actually (laughs) talk about books. (laughs) Thanks. I'm so sorry. I'm I'm sure you have to deal
0: with that constantly. (laughs) All right. Well, let's get to some book questions then. All right. So, Mm Lavar, what is the first book you really remember reading that stuck with you, that you loved, that maybe you read over and over again, that you have just vivid, happy memories about?
2: I'd like to cite Captain's Courageous by Rudyard Kipling Whoa. as as the book that I read when I got what reading was about. Mm. Mm. How old were you when you read that? Uh, third, fourth grade. Yeah. Um, and so what I mean by that is that when I finished that book, I, I got depressed. I-, I didn't know it was <laughs> depression, um, you know, at the age mm-hmm. of nine. Um, <laughs> but this profound sadness fell over me because I had become so attached mm. to being in that world. Um, and when it was over, when when the story was done, it was like, I, what do I do now? Mm. You know? Mm. Um, I suppose I could have started— all over at the beginning, but the, the the sense of not knowing what comes next wouldn't have been there. Yeah. So, and, and it's 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 been an ongoing problem for me <laughs> in my life. And whenever I'm re- now reading really really good fiction, I slow down towards the end of the night. Oh, yeah. oh totally, you absolutely. Have to. The last chapter, I want to savor because I know I'm going to finish soon, and then here comes the depression. Yeah,
0: yeah. Oh, absolutely. That even happens to me sometimes when I'm reading nonfiction, like Michelle Obama's memoir, mm, Becoming. Okay, yeah. Toward yeah. the end of it, I just was like, I'll read one page a day because yeah. I, I just, I don't want to reach the end of it because I feel so attached to yeah. everybody in the book and mm-hmm. I don't want to say goodbye to them. Do you recommend rereading books that really affected you? Because I'm always
1: afraid. Even when I just revisit a movie or you know show show my husband something that I loved and it doesn't hold up, I like freak out and question everything about what it meant to me at the time.
2: I think it's always a good barometer of yeah. where we are, of the the difference that we are, the different person that we are, um, on a, a a more current uh, interpretation, because yeah. that's all it is. I mean, when when we read, we are interpreting through the lens of ourselves um, what the what the writer is intending to say. Yeah. Um, and and it is obviously our, you know our combined world experience that uh, that that is a large part of that lens. So it makes sense uh, that you know reading it um, at different reading anything at different times of our lives will we will get different meaning from it.
0: Yeah, but I mean, as far as getting meaning, a lot of getting meaning from books is seeing ourselves in the stories. And yeah. one thing Joelent and I are really curious about is when you first remember. Seeing somebody in a book or learning about them and feeling like this is somebody who represents me—I see myself in this character. Do you remember when that happened to you the first time?
2: Um, you have to understand um, that there, there there are politics involved in mm-hmm. in my answering that question. Oh, totally. Because, um, because as a black male, I didn't grow up seeing people who looked like me necessarily in the pages of books that I read. And I read a lot of books. Oh,
0: I know that feeling as an Asian American woman. I definitely okay. know
2: that. Yeah. yeah. So so the, the the powerful nature of the human experience is that we can create empathy with the other mm-hmm. so long as we can recognize something of ourselves in that otherness.
0: Yeah.
2: So and I and I know that that, that happened with fun with Dick and Jane. Right? Yeah, <laughs> they didn't look anything like me, but neither did Spot, and I, I and I related to Spot too. I related to <laughs> Dick. I related to Jane. <laughs> I related to Spot the dog, right? Um, and so, I believe that the the real answer to your question is that it happened very early on for me. M- reading with empathy, mm. um, it happened f- from the very beginning. Yeah.
0: Well, you're a very empathetic person, Mm -hmm. and I mean, I got to say, on your website, you say that you've dedicated your life to storytelling through acting, directing, books, and so on. But Mm -hmm. I mean, so much of what's central to every story you tell is this empathy you're talking about. It's about Mm -hmm. world peace. It's about self-acceptance. It's about Mm -hmm. making sure that stories are told about people that aren't always, you know, uh, acknowledge mm-hmm. yeah voiced, yeah. And yeah finding finding
1: ta- those universal commonalities between yes. between us all yeah
0: whether it's yes. about depicting a character of a certain race or class or disability right. but there's that empathy in there so I'm wondering do you really see yourself as storyteller first or do you see yourself as empathetic person first who just happens to use storytelling as your main medium
2: Ooh, wow no one is Ever. Yo,
0: Kristen. Ask me
2: that question.
0: What? No one's asked you that? No. Well, I'm asking it now. I mean, because I
1: would think, like, looking at your career, I would say, like, social justice activist who uses hosting, (laughs) acting, podcasting, and whatnot to spread the word. But I also studied social justice in school. So that Uh is a bias I have.
2: Right. Well, my knee jerk reaction. Would have been. I'm a storyteller. Mm-hmm. That's not just what I do. It's it's who I am, mm-hmm. and that is true about me. I mean, I do. I I, I see that as true about myself. However, uh, I do believe there is a at least a kernel of truth in what you said about being a humanist first, and that's 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 how I interpret uh, mm-hmm. the empathy that, totally. that you perceive in me. Uh, it's it's a it's a worldview. It's a spiritual view. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. That guides and directs and informs everything I do as a storyteller. Yeah, absolutely.
1: I was going to ask, are those choices intentional or is that just like where your career has has led you?
2: Um, I think it's a a bit of both. I I, I do. I mean, I'm not at the stage of my career. I'm not the guy that that can do anything he wants, you know. But I I have made good with those opportunities that Mm -hmm. have come my way.
1: Right. I have to ask— just while we're on the topic of like the work choices you've made, because yeah. basically you like blew up the second you got on the scene with Roots. Yeah. yeah? yeah. And yeah. then to your next gig being developing a show about reading for PBS.
2: My exposure to PBS um, uh, as a host um, began with a show called Rebop. Um mm-hmm. that was produced by WGBH yeah. in Boston. That's the way PBS works. I mean, they're 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 individual fiefdoms that mm-hmm. that share a commonality, right? Right. Um and so I had hosted a PBS show called Rebop before Reading Rainbow. And so when they were getting ready to launch and they had their list of Potential hosts. My name was on that list, and then they saw me. I, I I was I went through New York on my way to Africa, and they saw me on an interview show, and reached out. They found me. they tracked oh gosh. me down. They stalked me. They found me at my hotel at the Essex House on Central Park South, and and pitched me the idea. Uh, and so I, I was like, Yeah, makes a lot of sense to me. Let's use the airwaves during the summer vacation to steer kids back in the direction of literature and the written word. I. Um, so I literally landed back in New York a month or so later from Africa and went right to the set uh, to shoot uh, the first episode. Oh, wow.
0: Wow. 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 That's insane. That's so cool. cool. <laughs> All right. We're going to take a quick break. But when we come back, Lavar is going to tell us his favorite self-help book.
1: We're back with Lavar Burton, host of the podcast Lavar Burton Reads.
0: All right. I'm gonna shift gears with you a little bit here, Lavar. Mm-hmm. Now, as you know, on Buy the book, we live by self-help books. Every two weeks mm-hmm. there's a new one. Yeah. We're
2: wondering, do you ever read self-help books? I do and have.
0: Yeah. Oh, really? I feel like you would
1: never need any help. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, look, I am the first to say that the person that I am would only be possible. By the deep and committed work to mining the best that I can out of who I am and what my potential is, and I know that a lot of the information that I possess has come from sources outside of myself.
1: Oh, that's great! Do you have a favorite self-help? Yeah. Book? So, do you have like what are your go-to's? Are there some my, you recommend to people? Or? There,
2: there, there are. I mean, there's a traditional. There, there are traditional self-help books, and then there are books that end up uh, mm. being that as an unintentional consequence. Totally. Right? So in the first category, I love The Road Less Traveled mm-hmm. by M. Scott Peck, M.D. And I, I love this book, and, and maybe it was because of when I discovered the book that it had so much impact on me, but I was really, I was really struggling at the time with relationships with women,
0: mm-hmm. and
2: I wanted, I wanted to do better And I just wanted to do better. And and that was the entry point, right? That was the the area of my life that I felt really needed addressing more than any others. Of course, it was the whole person that 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 needed addressing. But relationships with women was the entry point. Mm -hmm. And, And that book was really powerful for me in terms of getting me to accept responsibility for who I am and for what I do for every action that i take every word that i speak and every thought that i think i learned i need to be responsible for it i need to own it and and I, that was my i think my big my big takeaway from that book
1: what about the non uh like self-help specific ones
2: yeah. that you were mentioning that that have molded you changed you the carlos castaneda series was Hugely instrumental for blowing the lid off of my perceived worldview uh, at the age of 17. So it ended up being a reading experience that completely changed how I saw and subsequently experienced the world. What, what is that book about? Um, it, it's, it's about a relationship between uh, a man and his Yaqui Indian teacher, uh, a shaman mm. named Don Juan. And the experiences that this man has um, in in the service of learning how to wield power in the world.
1: So... More often than not on this show, when we're reading books about happiness, they suggest that doing good in the world is always like the surest path to feeling good. <laughs> do you find this to be true in your life? Considering I you're cracking do. up, I feel like you might. Yeah.
2: I do. I think the best way to fight uh, de- depression or too much introspection mm-hmm. is to get up and get out and do something for somebody else. I- if we can just decentralize our focus on, on ourselves, I think we'll be a, 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 we'll be happier. Yeah, We do too much navel-gazing in this Ugh, country, I'm going to post that on Instagram later and get so many likes. I mean, oh, no, I'm joking.
0: <laughs> you know, we got to confess, we kind of knew what we thought your answer would yeah. be to that anyway. Yeah. I mean, just the yeah. way you live your life and the way you conduct yourself in the world, it just seemed like, of course this is like what LeVar Burton does. Of course he tries to do good in the world, and that's why he's such a happy person,
2: right? My, mo- my mother is stressed. Just the simple elegance of being a good person. That was her biggest admonishment to us mm-hmm. as children. Be a good person, right? Yeah. And you know what that is. You know what the right thing to do is. So do that thing. Just don't suck as a human being. Oh, you make it sound so simple.
1: So, I mean, to, to jump off of that, if you were to write a self-help book, what would it be about? Would it be called Don't Suck?
2: Would Don't it, Suck no? as a Human Being, yeah. <laughs> 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 because we have a choice. Yeah. Right? Yes. Yes. We have a choice, and my experience has informed me that it, it takes just as much energy to be an asshole as it does to be kind.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, totally. Yeah. If I, not right? more. I was going like, to say, it yeah. might usually takes me way more. Yeah.
2: It does, <laughs> actually. And, and the cost is higher because for every outrageous outburst of assholery, it depletes it depletes your energy. Totally.
0: Yeah. And it depletes everyone else's energy around you And it depletes everyone Mm -hmm. else's
2: energy. Absolutely. Whereas the complete opposite is true when you're kind. Totally. And when you engage in being kind, it actively contributes to your your sense of well-being.
0: Yeah. God, we could just listen to you talk I all know. day like, about
2: he's... about being— About a... nothing. Yeah. No, I was <laughs> <No>, going to say. No, <laughs> <just, laughs> important stuff. No,
0: just about, like, your outlook on the world. Totally. I mean, we really could listen to you talk all day about this because just talking to you makes us feel like we can become better just by being around you. Um, switching gears here, though. More okay. books. More yes, books. Back, back, Please. Back, to, back to books for a second. So, okay. So, on your show, LeVar Burton Reads. We love mm-hmm. your podcast. We love it so mm-hmm. much. Mm-hmm. You read a mm-hmm. short story every episode, mm. but let's say you could pick someone to read a story to you. Who would Whoa. you choose to yeah. read to you? Who do, who do you Whoa. want to read to a bedtime story every week?
2: Living or dead?
0: Anyone. Anyone.
2: Wow. I'd, I'd, uh, I'd want to be read to by Alex Haley. <gasps> oh,
0: Wow. wow. I, I was going to make a bad pun about going back to your roots, but this Whoa. is like, I, Jalanta's mad at me for doing <laughs> too that. But, too many puns. But, but to me, but I, yeah. and being genuine here, no, I'm not just speaking in a pun, but this is like the full circle of that. Like, very beautiful. Weren't you just a kid back then? Were you? I was. You I were can't just imagine. A, you were just a kid. I was 19 a kid. when
2: I met Alex. And, yeah, wow. And, and, and he had such an impact on me in, in so many ways respects, not the least of which is he's, you know, I consider him one of my storytelling mentors. And Alex is one of the few authors, and maybe because I knew him so intimately well and just spent so much time with him. But when I read Alex's work, like when I pick up a copy of the autobiography of Malcolm X, I can can feel Alex in there. And when I read Roots, passages from Roots, I hear Alex's voice because his syntax and his rhythm were really, really distinctive. Um, And I I miss the warmth and the comforting nature Mm. of hearing his voice live. Yeah, so that would be my choice, Alex Haley.
0: Wow. That's
1: such a beautiful answer. It really is. It's beautiful. Uh, So I was reading that uh, you, when you were younger, Mm -hmm. were studying in the seminary, and um, I came up in theater, although I'm a a comedian now, but Mm -hmm. I've noticed a big pattern of men leaving the seminary and becoming actors and Mm -hmm. storytellers, and Mm -hmm. I just sort of wanted to ask you about your take on... On that like journey and that yeah. that sort of connection that I always see between people who are who are drawn to the sort of spiritual storytelling of, of religion and then mm-hmm. translating that into performance
2: careers. Yeah. well, the, the linkage is real and ancient. Uh, story number one, storytelling is storytelling. Um, and yeah. the, the, I was a Catholic uh, when I was in the in the seminary, uh, and the Catholics are are very the, well. The liturgy, the Mass, is is a, is a play. Oh. yeah, it's a play uh, in three acts, um, and the theatrical nature of Catholicism is really really clear. But when you go back to the origins, right, it was the the priests mm-hmm. and the sh- and the shamans who. Had that contact with the other world, and that office was sort of transferred in part to storytellers, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and so I think that they have a common—they they have a common roots, the priesthood and actors. They—they have—they have, they have a, a common origin in terms of their function right right in yeah. society right bringing people bringing, together bring, bringing not just bringing people to yes certainly bringing people together but bringing um, bringing the unknown mm-hmm. into the space of knowingness for the community right yeah or, learning together uh creating you know
1: moral compasses together
2: exactly exactly decisions that cultures make that define who they are 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 communicated through the through the mysterious right mm-hmm. uh as, and, and, and The Mysterious is always communicated in story. You do that all the time, too. Oh, I so mean, good.
0: everybody who's listening right now, if you have not heard LeBar Burton Reads yet... Just get on it. Just, just download the, it. Listen, <laughs> it's crazy. Because the mysteries of the universe will unfold
2: Truly. in a story. In his voice.
0: In, in the voice of LeBar Burton. It's just beautiful. It's just beautiful. Well, I love
2: reading aloud. For me, reading aloud is 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 my favorite way of storytelling. Having the opportunity to interact with a writer's text and and it's really it's an interpretation reading aloud right it's totally. it's, it's, it's 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 a it's a spontaneous it's a performance right oh yeah. 100% absolutely for me it 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 really does give me an opportunity to um, to interpret right yeah. to to put my spin on what i already consider to be a a, a work of art yeah,
0: Ugh. and then you make it a new kind of work of art. Exactly. Yeah.
2: I, I, I get to participate in in that in in that artistic expression in my own way, and 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 I make a contribution to it that lives only in the moment. Mm, yes.
1: Well, we're gonna take a moment for a quick break, and when we come back, Lavar talks reading and self care. We're back with Lavar Burton again, host of the podcast LeVar Burton Reads.
0: We hear all the time from listeners of our show that they would like to just make time to read more or they don't read as much as they want to. Mm-hmm. Do you have any advice for them where they can make sure that their love of reading stays alive and that they're making sure to water that garden and, you know, and not feel the sadness of not reading enough?
2: I really consider that, um, that the time that we take in our lives is self-care. It gives us an opportunity to feed our imaginations, and, and there is nothing more important to humanity than the, the, the connection that we have to our imaginations. Everything that we've ever invented in the history of civilization began first as a thought.
1: Our imaginations might be able to save us.
2: <laughs> well, I tr- genuinely—one of the reasons that I do the podcast is I'm I'm trying to maintain my relationship with that generation of of adults now who grew yeah. up on reading rainbow you,
1: this leads really perfectly into my last somewhat jokey question and i'm gonna ask it because i was yeah. gonna say what is it like to just have like millennials be obsessed with you my husband my husband <laughs> went to school with donald glover and just showed me uh the clip of community where you're a guest star and donald yeah. glover's characters like can't speak the whole time Right. Like are you okay with the fact that we're all obsessed with you and we'll do everything you say? Like, yours? And like like I have a plant, a house plant named Jordy. Like <laughs> like what like do you like I, I guess you know you have that responsibility and you're working with it. Yeah, I mean, I would I, say for
0: over a generation of people, you're the equivalent of, of their Mr. Rogers. Like like full disclosure, you were my first crush.
1: Wow.
2: <laughs> well, and here's how I'm I'm trying to deal with it. Um because in my podcast I'm I'm trying to get y'all to spend some time in your imaginations and right. encourage you to to read for pleasure by sharing with you some of my favorite short stories and and continue to expose you to new authors that you might not have heard of and otherwise and the reason why I feel like This is so important for me. Life-saving for me is because of the tremendous sense of guilt that I feel that my generation is leaving your generation a shit show (laughs) of problems to solve. And in order to solve those problems, you're going to need your imaginative powers and capability.
1: I'm going to cry now. Come on. That's so perfect. Oh, and God. so true. And I think we forget it. I get really bleak and I'm like, I am I can't have kids. Everything's going to hell. But it's like, oh, right. Like we can still yeah,
0: try and,
1: can and think still. and imagine and, and like do. come up with stuff.
2: Yes, absolutely.
0: Oh, uh, we can and have so, hope and we can act on it. Yeah. Yeah. Right?
1: Yeah. yeah. Man.
0: Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I, I cannot a- imagine a better note to end on. No. We really can. We can have hope and we can act on it. Yes. And we listen can. to
1: stories. Oh. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Lavar Burton, thank you so much for making not just our day better, but our lives better. We just like we're not exaggerating when we say you make our lives better. Thank
1: you.
2: <laughs> thank you.
1: And that's it for this episode of By the Book. Huge thank you to Lavar, obviously. And to our fabulous production team at Stitcher, Nora Ritchie, who produces our show, Andy Kristen's daughter, who edits it. Thanks also to Nate Wida, who composed our theme song, and to the Rizzos who perform it. Thanks to Chris Bannon, our chief content officer, and thank you, Daisy Rosario, our executive producer.
0: Please stay in touch. Let us know what you love most about LeVar Burton. Mm. The list is so long. So do much you, to where love. Where do you even start? And of course, check out LeVar's show, LeVar Burton Reads. And of course, send us any suggestions for future books for us to live by or questions you have for us. Our address is Kristenangelenta at gmail.com. You can also tweet us at JolentaG, at kristenminzer or at the Book Pod. And
1: please rate us and review us in Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or wherever you listen. It helps people find our show. And people like Lavar. Oh no, wait, Tell everyone to listen to our show so they can hear Lavar. <laughs> Ugh! just tell everyone you know to listen.
0: Until next time, I'm Kristen Meinzer, and I'm Jalenta Greenberg. Thank you so much for listening. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye Lavar. Okay, was that Uh, the greatest thing ever? I'm
1: going to throw up. I didn't actually cry. I just got moved, okay? Nora, for real, cried.
2: Stitcher. It's one thing falling in love with a house, picturing yourself moving in and calling it home, and quite another navigating the world of price negotiating, mortgage lenders, and finding the budget that works best for you. An agent who's a realtor can make understanding that world easier. Realtors have the expertise, access to proprietary data, and tools to help you get from imagining living somewhere to actually doing it. That's the kind of help we can provide. Because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors.